Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Evil Man. I'm your uh, one of the co-hosts, Chris Locke. How's it going? Nice to see you. And I got my other co-host here, Michael Belazzo, and me, James Hotnet. <laughs> but we're not alone, yeah. are we? Are we, Chris? We have a special guest that we're really excited about. Uh, it's Suze Kempner, everybody, the London-based actress, comedian, singer, and Twitter phenomenon, Suze Kempner. Very funny. Uh, really excited to have her on. Um, you might know her because she also co-hosts two podcasts herself called Mystery on the Rocks and The Queen Podcast, which is the official one-stop shop for everything related to the band Queen. Suze, thanks for joining us. What the heck? Why'd you? That's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no, thanks for having me. I, I'm only a Twitter phenomenon because I tweet the most. <laughs> Barely a minute goes by without a tweet. Are you addicted? <laughs> yeah, Are you definitely. tweeting before even like thinking I should tweet? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I wake up first thing in the morning and literally go, quick, <laughs> got to tweet something. But And that's not even an exaggeration. Because <laughs> uh, I'd have thought of something during my sleep, and then I can just tweet it straight out. And I normally, but I'm quite angry first thing in the morning. Like yeah. it's where you, because you just woke up. Normally, people have disagreed with me on stuff during the night, and it's perfect time to start my fighting. <laughs> people in North America, probably too. Yeah, like yeah, all the a different bit. time zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like Q is real. Do you remember in? Um, yeah, yeah. Do you remember in uh, leaving Las Vegas? When he wakes up in the night and Elizabeth Shue thinks he needs her and he loves her, but really he just passes her and goes to the fridge to get booze. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys remember that, but anyways, that's what I'm like with Twitter too. That film's I stumble so past my <laughs> wife in the middle of the night and go, honey, honey. And she's like me. And I'm like, no, Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah so i can relate I'm, what i'm saying is i can relate as soon as i just saw i looked at your twitter just before we recorded i hope you don't mind and i saw that you yeah. were in a bit of a fight with um i think again this has happened to you before i think some michael jackson supporters are mad at you yes supporters yeah. as if he's a as if he's a football team <laughs> yeah yeah we're they michael jackson supporters Ooh, MJU. They, hate yeah. they hate me because i support west bromwich albion they, um, <laughs> yeah and at this time it was totally my fault because i could have avoided it completely someone else my friend sam pamphilon brilliant comedian sam pamphilon he tweeted um Man in the Mirror is Michael Jackson's, something like Man in the Mirror is Michael Jackson's clearest song that says he's got to stop being a paedophile or something. And I tweeted (laughs) underneath like, hey, Sam, uh, now that you've called Michael Jackson a paedophile, all the worst people on Twitter are going to come after you just because their favourite paedophile is dead. And I did it knowing (laughs) that they come after me because I just went, yeah, today's the day. But yeah, it happened to me once in in February because someone... I did a bit of material about Michael Jackson, just about the Mega Drive game, um, a.k.a. Genesis mm. game, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker on a yes. Zoom gig. 
And a woman just started shouting, but at the same volume as me, because it was on a Zoom gig, Michael Jackson is not a paedophile! Michael Jackson is not a paedophile! And then I wouldn't let it go and it really ruined the gig. Then I tweeted that this has happened and then I had 72 hours of essentially that woman. <laughs> but oh, in no. multiple accounts. Yeah, <laughs> got re- it was pretty weird. Were you pointing out that, is it because in the, the video game, Michael Jackson is literally saving children uh, from yes. behind closed doors? Or maybe he's make, putting them in more danger. Who knows? Yeah, he, he's, um, and they're all um, blonde, fresh-faced kids. And he's like <laughs> kicking uh, adults out of the way to get to them. It's, it's a documentary. <laughs> yeah, it is. Someone, this isn't my joke and I don't do this, but someone on a podcast said that that game is that if I did it, a video game. <laughs> it's funny really believing that that uh, this is all a conspiracy theory and he wasn't a pedophile because you just watch that interview where he's like sleeping with a child is the most beautiful thing beautiful. and I know he's not saying in the way we mean it but it's still pretty weird yeah and they went don't you think it's weird that don't you think it looks bad that you do that no <laughs> so, it's so beautiful. horrible <laughs> like it's beautiful. <laughs> How beautiful to share your bed with someone. Always a boy. <laughs> it's always a boy. <laughs> now I'm going to get killed on Twitter. Damn it. Edit oh, that out. I will make sure that. No, they mostly go after women because Michael Jackson like hated women. <laughs> and I think his fans yeah. have decided, like, even though a lot of the fans are adult women. I think they've decided that the best idea is... He didn't hate Diana Ross. He didn't hate Diana Ross. No, he left his children to her or his mum. He was like, my mum or Diana Ross. Really? Yeah. That's really nice. I've put that, I've put it in my will as well. And just like, (laughs) my mum or Diana Ross. Oh, sorry. I went to a Michael Jackson concert when I was six, actually. I'm not joking. That's the perfect age. Yeah, well, he he stopped the whole concert and pointed at me and said, look at that one. Um, <laughs> I like the idea. Have you ever heard the anecdote about how he really wanted to play Jar Jar Binks? When he, when, uh, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was desperate to play Jar Jar Binks. He heard about it, I guess. And so he was courting George Lucas for the part really hard. And he kind of started telling everyone, I think I'm going to get it. And then he met, I can't remember the name of the guy who did play Jar Jar Binks, but the film was about to go into production. George Lucas had come to Michael Jackson's show and um, he brought that actor and because the actor told the story and the actor said, he, he was like, oh, George Lucas went, this is blah, blah, blah. And Michael Jackson went, nice to meet you. And then the guy he told telling the story, he went, George Lucas said, this he's playing Jar Jar Binks. And he said, Michael Jackson's voice like dropped two octaves. And he went, oh. <laughs> 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 he, was he was like fucking furious. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> oh. He couldn't even pretend to have that voice anymore. Yeah, like the mask slipped, literally. <laughs> Get out of my sight. <laughs> Imagine George Lucas was like, sorry, we have cast Jar Jar Binks, but I guess if you want to, you could play C-3PO? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I did. <laughs> Michael Jackson as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, Michael plays Obi-Wan Kenobi. I found a kid who really is strong with the force. He's a magical boy. (laughs) I love the idea of being like, this is the guy playing uh, Jar Jar Binks, Michael. And Michael Jackson's like, what the 
fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You heard this I shit? Re- <laughs> <laughs> I recently watched uh, this, the film, the TV movie Man in the Mirror that was made about, it's like a, it's a really bad, cheap movie made about his life. I think it's Canadian, actually. Sorry. Nice. Um, That's they haven't got the rights to any of the music. So whenever <laughs> they show a concert, they just have a close-up of the actor playing Michael, who is just a guy about six foot eight. And he's dancing and you just hear crowds cheering and then lots of flashbulbs go off and that's always how they film the concerts. And then um, (laughs) the end of the movie is he watches the Martin Bashir documentary in his home cinema with his kids. The film is very complimentary of him, by the way. It it really tries to make out he's a real sweetheart. And he's there with his kids and the first thing he sees is Bashir going... Uh, like a narration of Bashir going, Michael made me feel very uncomfortable at this point. And then Michael Jackson goes mad. He's like, get the children out of here. He's like, turn this shit off. Get the kids out. (laughs) Oh. I wish, uh, not to dwell on it, but it's such a fun idea of Jar Jar Binks. I should have chosen Michael Jackson for my evil man. Imagine the great stories from the set of Star Wars, though, had he... Because he would have made the set just so weird. Like, it, it, we, we were robbed of, of all those amazing anecdotes. Yeah. Oh, imagine the pod racing scene with constant clips <laughs> of... <laughs> he was like he would have played it not CG and <laughs> his leg would be sticking out of the car because he would have kept moving it or something <laughs> why are all these kids lined up outside of Jar Jar Binks's trailer <laughs> you know if Michael had just said hey I love kids I take them and play baseball with them it's great Hey, no one's complaining on... I don't think anyone's complaining about that. It's just the bad part. Yeah, and the fact that he had a videotape of them of like called Michael Jackson's Neverland Favourites. I think it's called, Hmm. ah, A Boy's Odyssey or something. That's what he Hmm. labelled the tape. And it's just various clips of him frolicking in water at Neverland. He wrote that on the label or something? (laughs) Yeah. It was called, (laughs) yeah, the FBI. The FBI found it. It's called Michael Jackson's Neverland Odyssey. No, Michael Jackson's Neverland favorites. Uh, some art. Oh, a boy. Like you can know in your mind that that's what you want the tape to be called without writing it out, so the police can clearly that's see. It. <laughs> he knows where the tape is. I'm going It's like okay, Michael Jackson's like if you had Neverland a video favorites of, of dirty movies, and you wrote my favorite dirty movies. You just <laughs> know called, in your head. It's called Michael Jackson's Neverland favorites, comma an all boy anthology. <laughs> no. What are you talking about? What in the hell? Yeah, he could have written like Raiders of the Lost Ark on that videotape instead. Yeah. The Hudsucker Proxy. No one yeah. would check it. He has 800 copies of the Hudsucker Proxy. No one ever checked my Hudsucker Proxy VHS cassette. Oh, God. I love the idea of him being like, it's n- I'm not doing anything like an ancient Roman emperor would have done, you know, especially Caligula or something. Yes, he's very Caligula. <laughs> Caligula. Now that we've, I guess we're we're all we've exposed ourselves to being uh, attacked by MJ fans. Um, yeah, I think you had mentioned uh, one time that uh, Michael Jackson and Freddie Mercury tried to collaborate because you are a co-host of the Queen Pod. Um, yeah, they tried to yeah. make a song together. They in it was in the early eighties. They met, 
Michael Jackson came to a Queen concert. This is like, <laughs> he would have been 20 or something. Um, and he saw them playing another one that bites the dust like a really early show before they'd ever released it. And he obviously said, there should be a single. Um, and they released it as a single and it was like the biggest hit they ever had in America. So they had a friendship with Michael Jackson. And then Freddie Mercury was re recording some uh, solo stuff away from Queen with Michael Jackson. And he said he quickly got really weird. And he, he called Brian May one time and said, he's brought a fucking llama to the studio. <laughs> A llama? So, yeah, he brought a llama to the studio. Uh, and then what the um, he Michael Jackson heard, he, Freddie Mercury came into a recording session and Michael Jackson was sat with his arms folded, all furious. And he said that he'd heard that Freddie Mercury had been out doing cocaine and he wasn't <laughs> going to put up with it. And at this point, like, Freddie Mercury's got over 10 years on him and must have just thought, oh, fuck you. <laughs> and they yeah. didn't work together. What I want to know yeah. is, um, was the uh, llama real? And if not, what was actually inside the llama? <laughs> Tito. <laughs> yeah. It That's was a wild. real llama, yeah. He brought a fucking llama. But to okay, if you, do, if you guys are afraid of the Michael Jackson was actually a pedophile haters out there, or deniers, uh, didn't like Courtney, or Courtney, what's his name? Corey Feldman... Courtney and Love. Like Macaulay, Courtney Love. <laughs> Corey Feldman and Corey Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't I say that? Macaulay Corkin. Culkin Corkin. Yeah. Carla Quinn romance novels. But you know what I'm saying? Corey Feldman and Macaulay Culkin, I think they said nothing ever happened in public, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So there I you go. They, yeah, they did. Maybe they're right. right. I think it's because that he saw them as colleagues. Mm. So, yeah. although actually, I do think he did it with Macaulay Culkin because he's <laughs> he's the only one in the family that's a mess. <laughs> I think it's only because of that. It's not because of early stardom. Look at Kieran Culkin; he's having mm -hmm. a great time. Um, yep. He had to wait to the boy had to become a man before he could do have stardom, and he's done it with maximum sanity. Macaulay, mm -hmm. not so much. No. Right? Mm. Proof. But you don't, think, yeah, and you don't think all the hubbub over Home Alone blew Macaulay Culkin's brains apart. And also, what about his no. parents? Did they rob him blind or treat him weird or something? Yeah, I think they did. His parents. Yeah, they made him sleep in a bed with Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> that was part of the child custody settlement. <laughs> sleep in that bed with that nice man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so. Oh. But honestly, uh, we're all having some jokes about Michael Jackson, but honestly, all four of us uh, have nothing but respect for him. He's a good I'll, guy, eh? I'll still listen to his songs if they come on the radio, I'll be honest. Uh, it's annoying. In my, sometimes in my... I do a class called Dance Fit. <laughs> it's mm. like a load of mums. But uh, they sometimes <laughs> she goes like, oh, I'm going to play Michael Jackson now. Is that all right? And my face goes, hmm. But in my head, I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> 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 They're real toe tappers. Yeah, They are big time toe tappers. Cross your arms and the next thing you know, you're like, your yeah. shoulders start moving. Yeah. 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 We live in such a hypocritical oh. world these days where everyone acts all uh, PC and... Uh, progressive and correct where they have to say they don't like Thriller, but they love Thriller. We love Thriller. <laughs> I think anything that came out pre uh, the 1993 revelations is fair game. <laughs> oh my God. <clears throat> yeah. 
<laughs> that's a, that's, that, that works out. I made a joke in the class because she said, oh, is that all right if I play Michael Jackson? And I went, yeah, it's fine. I don't have any kids. And uh, like, <laughs> my dance fit class does not appreciate my particular brand of um, quipping. No. They don't mind. There's a woman called Tracy. They don't mind her. She, but she just shouts, oh, my God. They like that. They think that's really funny. It annoys me, actually, that they find Tracy funnier than me. Well, you didn't do anything wrong. You were just pointing out the well-reported you know, reported accusations. Exactly. Yeah, that's like I do a, I do a spin class where they blast old stand-up by Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah, that really gets you moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's what is this? Uh, this uh, I hate machines. They, they, you know, whatever. I don't get it. James, can you do what We're not going you? anywhere. This bike, it's not going anywhere. It's about, it's about yeah. spin class. That was good. <laughs> yeah, does oh, anyone man. mind if I play these old Bill Cosby records while we do uh, kung, practice kung fu? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when I went to the concert, I was six. It was like 1984 or something. I was five or six. Michael Jackson was still 100% normal at that point. Sure. <laughs> he was the most normal man who had ever lived to that point in history. He was very sexually normal. Yeah. Lots of, uh, uh, just tons of girlfriends on the go. Yeah. He didn't want to settle down just yet, that's all. Yeah. Chris, didn't you say that he made love to a fully grown adult woman on stage? <laughs> At the end. Yeah, and he Toronto. sang like beat it right into her face while he was doing it. <laughs> you couldn't do that anymore, not with not in the pandemic. No, 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 no. A simpler yeah. time. Jeez. Yeah, you can't make love to people on stage during your concert anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Sucks. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Well, before um, we move on to our topic this week, we should mention that we have a Patreon account. You can check us out at patreon.com slash evilmen. And if you sign up, you get bonus episodes, loads of them and other things, and people really like it. So check it out if you're interested. But if not, that's okay. You could uh, rate and review us. That would be great. Thanks, everybody. Patreon.com slash evilmen. <laughs> Please go to it on your device uh, right now. Pause the podcast and uh, and go there. Then join us uh, again in a few minutes. So um, we talked about Michael Jackson so far. And we're talking as the, the main subject of today's episode, a man who's arguably worse than Michael Jackson. Uh, it's a subject that you picked for this week's episode, Suze. Who did you pick? I picked... Uh the cult leader with the big dick, Jim Jones. <laughs> Is that true? Cult leaders. I discovered cult leaders often have big dicks and serial killers, little ones. So oh. that's the distinction. <laughs> Interesting. Whoa. So I just yeah. re- like did, did some research about Jim Jones. I didn't see that fact. Uh, about yeah. his uh, his body, but is that something that is... Uh... Well, a big dick is for sure a gift from God. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Jim Jones You knew. have been anointed. If you have a huge <laughs> wang, you have been anointed by the you Lord. You ought to lead a cult. I also should say, I think I heard that. I may have decided it. Well, <laughs> I may have it... made it up. I have heard, though, that cult leaders tend to be packing, whereas serial killers opposite. Om Shinrikyo. Nice. I think he did too. 
Okay. <laughs> I may have made it all up. No, I think I'm telling the truth. Well, I hope you're right. Um, mm. And let me... <laughs> I hope you're right too, because that's all we're going to talk about now. <laughs> yeah, because if you have a big wang, you go, I'm the best. Everybody should follow yeah. me. And if you have a little tiny wing, you might go, I hate everybody. I'm going to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> kill some women. Yeah. Time to mm. kill I have a, a little dick. I'm going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, why don't I just give a little brief synopsis of his, his life and career beyond what you did there? Okay. Uh, Jim Jones was an American cult leader, political activist, and preacher who led the People's Temple Church between 1955 and 1978 when s- something happened. Um, in what he claimed to be a revolutionary suicide, Jones and his inner circle, and this is well known, uh, he orchestrated a mass murder-suicide in his remote jungle commune at Jonestown in Guyana on November 18th, 1978. 909 people died, 304 of them were children. Mm. Michael Jackson would have been furious. <laughs> what a waste. <laughs> oh my god. I got to I got to admit I didn't really know much about him. I always got mixed up with him and the people that killed themselves so they could travel on a comet, you know what I mean? Oh, the Haley. the uh Heaven's Gate. Yes. Yeah, the Heaven's that, Gate yeah. guys. But uh, so yeah. I was listening to another podcast that sums up his life uh earlier today and I got to say a lot of the stuff he's talking about sounds right up my alley and I wish I could join his call. <laughs> nice, nice weather. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lovely communal living. Yeah. Like, now, one thing I, so he was, I, I didn't know that he had begun his life, Suze, as a sort of like a civil rights activist. And he was like a committed Marxist. That was a, a big surprise yeah. to me. Um, yeah. And Don't, he, damn progressives. Yeah. Yes. The lefties yeah. aren't going to like this episode. Yeah. No, our hero Jim Jones being belittled yet again by the moderates. <laughs> <laughs> Cards on the table. As a leftist myself, I feel like I have to support everything Jim Jones did. <laughs> yes, same. That's yeah, what I'm talking about, Mike. We would have been there in Guyana. Well, it's surprising. So he, yeah, he actually like so he was born 1931 in Indiana during very racist times, and he when he got into the church. He stood out from a lot of the other preachers around because he wanted to integrate, uh, he wanted to r- racially integrate his church, and that caused a big commotion in, in the community, and he truly believed in, you know, racial equality, which is good. Oh, yeah. Yes, that tick. pretty good. <laughs> there is a point with Jim Jones where if he'd stopped at a certain point and just been <laughs> like that, everyone would go like, oh yeah, he'd be a little footnote in history of like quite a nice preacher. <laughs> he was mm. a cool guy who had uh, sideburns and a nice hairdo and sort of looked like Elvis <laughs> and he just loved everybody. <laughs> he mm. did look like like Elvis if you bought him off Wish or something, yeah. <laughs> 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 is that like a, a second-hand website or a- Wish is um, they they sell like unbelievably cheap clothing and stuff. You can buy a dress for two pounds and go like, how do they make it so cheap? And then it arrives and it's like polyester nightmare. I haven't bought anything off Wish, but they also they'll advertise like. Um, they won't have descriptions of what they sell. They'll just have a picture of like lots of tiny little plastic hands and go, two pounds? <laughs> so <laughs> you just order them and they arrive. You've got loads of plastic hands in a little bag. And, yeah. <laughs> That's what I've always wished for. <laughs> <laughs> wish. 
<laughs> now, um, as a kid, Jim Jones was known to be a bit of a loner, a bit of a weirdo, if you can, if you can believe it. Definitely and he, a running theme on every guy we cover. Uh, yes, like. not a lot, not a lot of normies that we've covered. Um, he read about Stalin, Marx, Mao, Gandhi, and Hitler. He was obsessed with religion, and his friends claim that he often held. Um, Elaborate funeral ceremonies for animals, sometimes animals that he killed himself. Hmm. Yeah, which is very serial killery. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Nothing to do with Karl Marx, as far as I have read. <laughs> no, we all remember that bit from the Communist Manifesto yeah. where Karl Marx is like, and when you kill an animal, make sure to give yeah. it a nice send off, invite yeah. local children. The bourgeoisie doesn't want you to bury your cat. Um, so yes he was speaking of Karl Marx uh, Jim Jones he by the early 50s he was a committed Marxist he started attending meetings of the Communist Party of America in Indianapolis and get this McCarthy era times he and his mom because you know you always go to a communist rally with your mother (laughs) They to be fair, getting, I would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they started getting harassed by the FBI. Little Jim Jones and his mom. What the hell? Just for attending <laughs> communist rallies. Yeah. <laughs> and so he decided, he was like, I need to find a way to express my Marxist beliefs. What should I do? And he got the brilliant idea. I'll, I'll infiltrate the church. Mm-hmm. So that's where he begins. He starts a, a, a church in Indianapolis where he wants to spread his uh, radical Marxist ideology to the unsuspecting members of the community. Interesting. This would have been. This is very Cold War times, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like peak McCarthyism, Cold War era. And he so, was a teen, right? He was still a teen, right? He was like 20, he, 21 at this point. Uh, yeah, okay. so he'd gone through puberty successfully. Uh, <laughs> Got his big dick. <laughs> he received his big dick. <laughs> Do you reckon he was one of those guys who had one as a baby? I don't so. think I should be talking about babies having big dicks, but so sometimes it's, yeah. it's weird when babies have big dicks. Sorry, it is. <laughs> you can leave. Yeah, that they got to grow into it. it. Yeah, I don't like it. Like, oh, yeah. God. Michael Jackson thought that too. <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> right. <laughs> Mike, did you did? Oh, okay. Sorry, I was just going to say, it's in the notes here. Mike, did you mention that his dad was in the KKK? I didn't mention that. I, I, was I, he? It's, it slipped my mind. Yes, there's an anecdote that he uh, that his father was in the KKK and that young Jim Jones once brought home a black friend and his father said, he can't come in. And then Jim Jones said, well, then I, then I shall not come in either. And he had a very strained relationship with his racist father. Hmm. God, I mean, it's it's like the origin story of a good guy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Until it takes a, a turn. <laughs> yeah, he got drunk on that. So one day he witnesses a faith healing service, um, you know, like laying on of hands and people standing up from their wheelchairs and stuff. And he's like, hey, I could get in on this and make some money. So he decides to start doing faith healing. He establishes a church called the Wings of Healing. And later, he renames it the People's Temple. Okay. So it had a different name first. I don't know if this is the era as well. It's one of my favorite Jim Jones facts. Before the People's Temple was making him enough money to live on, I guess, he, he got a job 
selling door to door tiny pet monkeys. Yes, <laughs> he did. My apologies if that was going to come up because it's my favourite fact, and I'm amazed I didn't open with it. I am so excited to talk about that. <laughs> so he'd go to your door with a real monkey. Yeah, he was like, "Do you want to buy a tiny little monkey?" Yeah. So I I did pick up on this fact, and I I read. <laughs> This little article in like an Indianapolis newspaper, he started importing monkeys from India to try and raise money for his church, and it it didn't go super smoothly. Suddenly, monkeys started turning up at the post office dead in a box. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! They posted them in a box from India. That's and he refused no. to pay the shipping fee. So in a way, he sort of may have been the inspiration for the famous Monty Python dead parrot sketch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and also in Cabin Boy, the Chris Elliott movie, David Letterman has a cameo where he says, do you want to buy a monkey? He does. To Chris Elliott. So maybe Ooh. he's cleverly referencing Jim Jones. Little but also, um, you can't get your money back because you even when they're dead in the box, you still technically bought a monkey. Yeah. So you're screwed. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, I guess like... You paid for a monkey. No one said it would be alive. It's like Jim yeah. said it would be alive. <laughs> Boss, there's some guy with a who's really mad with a huge penis out here who says he won't pay for the monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> I need to make a little extra cash. You mean like a lemonade stand? No, like monkeys from India. <laughs> And he would give them as little prizes, apparently, too, to to reward members of his congregation who were, like, super dedicated or did a good job. That suggests no one was buying them, so he's like, we've got to get rid yeah. of these fucking monkeys. Good they job. Stand- yeah, it's like, good job. Now here's something that can rip your face off. I, yeah, I do not want a monkey as a pet. Yeah, he's not giving away, like, Kindles or something. It's like a living <laughs> being, for God's sake. Yeah. Hi, I gave you something that you're responsible for. P.S. It jerks off all the time and gets violent. Yeah. Uh, it needs to and eat. throws shit at you. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. will literally have sex with your dog. <laughs> <laughs> We've all seen friends. <laughs> <laughs> so after the monkey business uh, sort of peters out and he's getting restless, he feels that Indianapolis might be a bit of a one-horse town, he has bigger ambitions, and he does like so many people before and after... He heads west to California. And in 1965, he moves the People's Temple to Yukia, California, a remote area in the north of California that uh, he chose because Esquire magazine said it was one of like 10 places that could be safe from a nuclear attack. Oh, he chose it because of that. I guess it's that era. Esquire... (laughs) Hard-hitting Esquire said that? He was always reading Esquire with a monkey on his shoulder. And... <laughs> Dick hung over the other side. <laughs> Just like... Uh, here's an article on suits by Tom Ford that are going to be hot this season, and also here's where you can hide when the bombs drop. <laughs> Hardly so- any megatons will get us here, uh, Marcel. <laughs> That's what calls his dick. <laughs> The Will my dick be okay name. if the bomb drops? <laughs> what if it gets bigger? I can't support. Uh, this is the so people's in- monkey. <laughs> <laughs> so he's up there in California, and the church is growing. Uh, he's a very charismatic guy. Obviously, looks like Elvis. Uh, 
There's a lot of music in the church. This is something that struck me. I watched a documentary about the People's Temple. They were heavily music focused. Have you have you seen clips of this, Suze or or, or guys? Yeah, no. and some of the singers are really good, as if yeah. they had got into the People's Temple to maybe break into the music business. Not a bad idea. I mean, they it, <laughs> they sound good, and they they did release an album in 1973 called He's Able that is mm. creepy but also good kind of like poppy, funky, gospel kind of stuff. Yeah, there's a couple of, um, the, they, like I say, a couple of the singers are excellent and you do listen to it and I go, ooh, there's some strong technique here. What a shame they all drank. Or oh, spoiler. <laughs> Don't want to spoil drank. the ending. <laughs> drank water. They all drank too much booze. Don't party too hard. Mm. I would love to see a traveling uh, Lollapalooza festival where it's like Charles Manson's band, Jim Jones's band, and um, what's that other father John, family? John Hinckley. What? Yeah. John Which Hinckley. Could, John Hinckley Jr. Who tried Did, to kill Reagan to show Jodie Foster that he was yeah. the one. Oh yeah, but was he also he's in a still band? Music. No, well, he's he making was music. Very much alone. Yeah. Yeah. Did he he tried to assassinate Reagan by hitting him with his guitar, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but have you ever seen that? What's that father family where the oh, guy Father Yod, like, the Source family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they had that? albums too. Like all these guys could have toured together and had the most psycho festival ever. Rasputin had a beautiful bass voice and would frequently sing Did Russian he? bass music. Yeah, that's how he got like, the uh, princess. He probably uh, sang outside <laughs> her window. She was like, "Ooh, it's cured my son's hemophilia." Thank you. <laughs> Another yeah. famous big dick man uh, with a beautiful singing voice. Rasputin. Yes, yeah, Rasputin. He could have been a cult leader. Yeah, uh, and I bet he sounded like this when he sang. Oh. He might have sounded like the the lead singer of the Crash Test Dummies, I could see, you know. Yes. Man made any money. Or Barry White. Does Zeus know that band? I do know the Crash Test Dummies. They were very much a one-hit wonder in my own fair green hills. (laughs) Okay. Maybe two songs were hits here, but they're from here, right? Yeah, yeah. Win- Winnipeg. The Canadian. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. yeah. Okay. yeah. Well. <laughs> Here's my impression of the Mad Monk. Dip, dip, do wah. <laughs> As they're stabbing him and shooting him, he's like, Baba da ba doom, Baba da ba dum doom. <laughs> do Stop it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's footage of the, the, the People's Temple Choir singing and dancing, having these revivals. And I, got, I have to say, uh, compared to the Catholic church services I went to as a kid, these services at the People's Temple looked so fun. Everyone's, you know, dancing and singing. It's not all buttoned up like the just having like an old lady on an organ singing about dying. <laughs> so good on them, you know? No one how looks come like it's always an leave? old lady that knows how to play the organ? Sorry, Suze, I cut you off. That's all right. It take it's because it takes fifty years to train. I don't know why. It's always someone old. I think once. Yeah. I think it's like the Supreme Court. Like yeah. once they're yeah. in the seat at the organ, it's just they have to die before a new organist can take over. When I went to Catholic oh, yeah, school, totally. it'd be like yeah, old ladies definitely had their place, but you'd also see a lot of like thirty-seven-year-old, maybe repressed button-up shirt 
men playing acoustic guitar, and that would be a big ah. thing too. So. And did they kind of, were they balding, but they had ponytails and they had John Lennon glasses on? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. It's a strong look. And were they wearing Birkenstocks? (laughs) Oh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, they they kind of got, like, the Christ was the original guitarist, guys. Yeah. (laughs) In many ways. So we have all this music going on. Everyone's having a great time in Northern California. But uh, life in the People's Temple was kind of tough. The followers' lives, they were totally dominated by the church and by Jim Jones. They had to work like 20-hour days. Uh, they often just gave their, their paychecks right back to the church. That's uh, nice. They were sleep-deprived. All the classic kind of culty stuff that takes away your agency. They sort of gave over them, their lives to Jim Jones, who they referred to as, as father. Yeah. So sorry. So this is the be- So he's got this church, and now it's starting to get culty? Yes, yeah. And he made everyone be celibate, except for himself, right? At this point? Yes, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so he, That's the part that okay. wigs me out, man. So, so, so you know about this, right? So he, he preached yeah. celibacy to his followers, but he was known to have had sex uh, with Yeah, he was like, trying to bone all of them, any of them that he found attractive. Yeah. And that was fucking most of them by the sound of it. Uh, and there was, but like, there were all the women in the church, and especially the higher up ones, were madly in love with him. And there was one woman who like <laughs> begged him to have sex with her, and he went, "No, I don't find you attractive, and I'm going to tell everyone about this." So he got everyone, and he said, "Hey, guess what? This dumb bitch wants me to have sex with her." <laughs> and he made everyone like love her, and then he made her strip naked so that he could point out all the reasons that he wouldn't have sex with this woman and she was crying i mean what a sweetheart <laughs> whoa i don't understand yeah. how he changed so much from like nice uh you know socialist uh, guy to uh this guy he was getting high on power and heroin. He started doing quite a lot of heroin. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so he, he's like, I'm a yeah. nice guy. I'm I'm, a, I'm starting a church. And then somewhere along the line, he gets caught up in the power of it. Yeah. say drugs. And then next thing you know, damn. He's drunk on power. But also I feel like, you know, the, uh, the altruistic aspect of him in his like late teens, early 20s. Yeah, fine. That's on the outside, but it sounds like as a kid, he was already a psychotic, angry loner. So it sounds like all the stuff he was establishing all the way up to where we're at now, there's still a festering anger in him. And what and where we know, you know, this goes to in the end, it feels like a sort of unconscious psychological payback kind of move. For like a it, jilted, yeah. angry, psychotic childhood. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It is a bit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the, all of this socialist stuff. He was quite involved in local politics. Um, like if there was a progressive politician who needed a crowd, essentially they could call up the People's Temple. Jim Jones had bought a load of secondhand buses and he'd yeah. drive all the congregants over there to go, woo, we like this politician very much. And... Uh, he he helped out with causes like that, but it all seemed to be to facilitate him being a big god of his own kingdom. Yes, he was uh, 
he would use his, his sort of influence with politicians, especially when they got to, to like San Francisco, I think, which is where they, mm. where they move next. Cause he's like, yeah, this godforsaken desert we're living in, there's not enough uh, people to fuck anymore. We have to go to San Francisco. <laughs> the um, Wi-Fi shit. He also said, so he, yes, he had sex with a lot of the women and the men though. And he claimed that everyone in the world was homosexual and he alone was the only true heterosexual. <laughs> Even though he's having sex with men? Yes. He got yes. arrested, um, yeah, like uh, paying for sex, but it was an undercover cop in a porno theater, right? Yes, he got caught yeah. Um, yeah. masturbating with that famous penis of his. Uh, <laughs> it must under- be really obvious. Yeah, it was over the balcony. It was... <laughs> <laughs> it was a big shadow was- across the screen. <laughs> yeah, it was actually whispering in another person's ear, help me, I'm being... <laughs> Ripped right now. And then he escaped from the cop by wrapping his penis around the cop's neck and choking him. No, he yeah got arrested and tried to proposition uh, this cop. So I think he had his battles with his sexuality, but he told everyone that like, oh, I'm only having sex with these men for their own benefit to bring them closer to gay, God. Like Excuse me, sir. Could you have sex with me? I'm the last true heterosexual. <laughs> 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 Basically, like, yeah, he wraps his dick around the cop's head. It's like, like, is it, is it Owen Wilson in Anaconda? His face appears through the snake's skin. Oh yeah, it's really, he's like, wow. That's the thing. His Jim Jones's dick was so big that whether you wanted to jerk him off or not, surprise, you already were. <laughs> his whole congregation were complicit in this. <laughs> I did hear another creepy story on this other quick podcast I listened to, you know, uh, not as funny as ours, but it had good information. Um, This one survivor of the uh, Jonestown uh, People's Temple, uh, I guess she didn't, maybe she didn't go to Guyana. I guess a lot of people left before Guyana. Um, But she said she heard strange, like, uh, moanings in the temple and then looked over and, like, a father and daughter were with Jim Jones. The daughter was adult age, um, but she was giving Jim an HJ in front of while the dad watched. Oh, God. But she was doing it from outside. <laughs> outside the penis. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was doing it outside the window. Yeah, yeah. Outside the penis and the people's temple. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, try his penis like Owen Wilson in Anaconda. <laughs> but she was also yeah. outside the temple, yeah. Jim's lost me. I'm going to say it right now. Okay. That well, pushed me over. Withhold Jim's judgment until Jim Jones' hear... penis yeah. was so big, it graduated a year before him. <laughs> his penis was so big. Dick jokes now. <laughs> it was like one of those sticky hands where you could just throw it and then it would just snap you over to where it was. Yeah. His penis was so big it would celebrate New Year's earlier than Jim. <laughs> he shout yeah, over that's... to it. What's it like in the future, Ellen? <laughs> <laughs> so aside from all this fun stuff he's doing um yes he's having sex he's doing drugs uh, and tranquilizers amphetamines heroin he's also on the pulpit saying some a little unusual stuff he's breaking with traditional christian teachings if you can believe that telling his followers that there is no god up in the sky there's no heaven had to be built on earth which is very socialist he also mm. told them that if they wanted him to be their god he could be their god 
Now, yeah, you know, I don't have to be your god, but I'm just saying, if you want me to be your god, I'll do it. I don't know. I mean, I'm yes, no idea. I want you. Yes. <laughs> That's what I don't understand. Is like, how do you find so many people that just go, yes, master? Like, what? Well, you know? he, he targeted people who, uh, who were isolated and uh, people who had, a lot of people who had no um, income or no sort of... Um, drive in life and they'd go oh a purpose the people's temple it's very Scientology I suppose for the first right. few weeks you're there you nothing but wins and then all of a sudden you're like oh I guess I'm in this now with <laughs> they've got his dick in my hand so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and they would yeah. still like you said they d- didn't come from like uh, they didn't have money but they when they did get money they gave all of it to him. Not even like donations, yeah. but they gave all their money to this guy. Yeah, so it was really yeah. hard to get out of the People's Temple. and yeah. yeah. I bet there was a whispering network as well. I know there was by the time. No spoilers, but by the time it got no. to where the... Shoes! <laughs> well, let's, let's they, quickly race to, to the big fun culmination. So he's, yeah, he's left the desert, gone to San Francisco, needs to get more followers... He wants to sort of uh, become more active and and raise his profile. He gets involved in local politics in San Francisco. They like, yeah, like you said, Suze, that they'll send out uh, congregants to support uh, protests or different politicians. The People's Temple uh, helped elect the mayor of San Francisco uh, in 1975, uh, George Moscone, with their support. And the San Francisco... uh, sort of elite they they liked him they thought he was good because he was helping clean up sections of the city keeping people off the streets you know they had a lot of charitable outreach stuff like feeding people and stuff okay. but <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't but. enough for our gym <laughs> well it's weird it's a, a fun thing because like i guess this is like the early or the mid 70s so san francisco is in the wake of like the hippie movement and people maybe were kind of lost and so he probably got to pick up a lot of burned out hippies uh, people just looking for for stuff because this is around the time, I guess, of the um, what's her name, Patty Hearst. Like, when was that? Oh yeah, that was early seventies. Yeah, is it seventy? Oh god, she's my lookalike. I should know. Right. <laughs> Any casting directors making a Patty Hearst film based on Jeffrey Tubin's book? Come on. <laughs> With you, you all. Need, I'm hoping they'll do the musical. Has there not Get been one? Oh, if there has, I'm even angrier. <laughs> I just Googled Patty Hearst, and I see, I see it. There, I know, I'm looking right now, too. Yeah, yes. do you have a machine gun, Suze, that you could hold up? Um... Hang on. <laughs> 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 wow. Oh, yes. you do? <laughs> oh, you honestly do have a yellow plastic machine gun. Just like Patty yeah. Hearst. This was for a Ghostbusters sketch I filmed three years ago, and it's still there (laughs) on the the side, along with all the other shit in my room. Well, we'll link to the Ghostbusters sketch after the uh, episode. (laughs) No one ever saw it. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, they're in San Francisco. He's out of his mind on drugs, but he's influential with politicians, such as, uh, because he was so uh, such a guy to have in your corner... Jimmy Carter's running mate, Walter Mondale, spoke with him uh, before the 1976 election. He had a private dinner with Rosalind Carter, Jimmy Carter's wife. And yes, he helped um, also uh, the political career of Harvey Milk, who later went on to be the mayor of San Francisco. I believe the first openly gay 
politician in America. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Jim Jones was like Forrest Gump, just meeting figures from history. (laughs) That'd be um, all over 4chan now if like a Democrat had had dinner with a cult leader. That would be like a whole Joe Rogan episode. Oh, that's so true. (laughs) Apparently Forrest Gump had a huge dick too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that bit in Forrest Gump. I... I think about it all the time and I hate it. The bit where um, he gets a boner with Jenny and he's mm. an adult at this point and he's like, whoa, what the hell is this? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not that dumb, Forrest. Yeah, <laughs> you're, a, you're a slightly simple guy. You don't have no <laughs> yeah. knowledge of your own dick. What the Forrest, hell is happening to me? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, oh my God. And she's like, oh yeah, that's new, isn't it? I'm like, isn't he 25 or something? Yeah. <laughs> Forrest, it's a boner, you fucking idiot. (laughs) You know know what is crazy, though? Because we did that episode on John Wayne Gacy. Remember that one? I'll never forget. Oh, did you? Was it Jimmy Carter that he got a picture with? Or was it? I believe it was Gerald. I think it was Ford. Oh, it was Ford. Okay, so back to back. Ford had a photo with uh, Gacy or Ford's wife. And then go on, Mike. Oh, I, I guess that's the thing, though, because, like, those got you photos where it's like, look, Reagan stood yeah. beside uh, Stalin. It's like, if you're a, a politician at that <laughs> yeah, level, you I guess you're having your picture everybody. taken with everybody. But it is it is still very funny. It is funny. <laughs> yeah, and those guys all took photos with those people before, way before they admitted that they were bad. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. like a there's a grime artist here who called Wiley who suddenly yeah. went on a majorly anti-semitic rant uh and they everyone was like all the moderates were going hey we got you Corbin look at what your fan is saying you've praised him in the past I'm like yeah because this is quite new from his twitter I don't think Corbin was going good on you mate great stuff yeah as much <laughs> as you want to see people go down sometimes that kind of hysteria doesn't match up yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn was famous for saying on several occasions, uh, I love anti-Semitic grime. (laughs) Yeah, I like grime. It'd be a lot more good if you had anti-Semitism in it, please. If it's got a beat and some anti-Semitic lyrics, I'm there. (laughs) Tell you what, you'd like the Michael Jackson fans. (laughs) At that point, everyone was like, wait, is Corbyn actually anti-Semitic? They're like, let's just hold off and see if he takes a photo with Wiley. (laughs) Like, it's not even about what you say anymore. It's like who you put your arm around in a selfie. Let's check those photos. Keep a close eye on his gram. (laughs) (laughs) So let's uh, go back to San Francisco. Picture it. I think it's 1975-76. Some people have defected from the People's Temple because they've been uh, weirded out by the behavior of Jim Jones and the weird sexual and drug stuff happening, the abuse, the indoctrination. And some of them start going to a journalist. There's a guy named Marshall Kilduff from the Chronicle uh, who wanted to write an article sort of exposing the the bizarre things happening at the People's Temple. The Chronicle ref- refused to publish it because Jim Jones pressured them not to. So a magazine called The New West published it. And Jim Jones went ballistic. And basically, within like a day or something of the article being published, he had flown out to Guyana to Jonestown and brought like 900 followers with him within like 48 hours. Really? Mm-hmm. How the hell do you do that? 
he so he bought it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Are you doing now the? Um, are you? Do you Oh no! Please go ahead. If you were going to look at me, like (laughs) I'm going to be polite here, but are you going to mention the fact they already bought the land? (laughs) It's like extremely. You know what, Sue? Stick it to Mike. (laughs) Mike needs to be taken down a peg. I just, I said it in a way. I was like, I'm not going to go. Are you going to do that? (laughs) But then I made it worse. (laughs) Sorry. No, no. I feel ashamed. Ask like, was it a coincidence that it was called Jonestown? (laughs) (laughs) I got the perfect place for me. What do you yeah. know? <laughs> Darn it. There's only a Jonestown in Guyana. <laughs> you said there's not in California or Florida. Or <laughs> so, Suze, it's true. You've exposed me as a bad host. Uh, Jim Jones had bought a plot, a huge plot of land in Guyana a few years earlier with the idea of one day building a socialist paradise that he could Mm. control. Um, And so it was basically ready for people to move into so he could very quickly mobilize and and move out to Guyana um, and bring almost a thousand uh, followers with him. So he had that ready to roll. And then the story comes out being like, this guy's a creep. And then he's like, all right, everybody, pack your bags. Remember Mm. that land I bought? Yes. Yeah, we're going there. He said, "He said we got to go right fucking now." But the, it wasn't remotely ready for the volume of people that he took over there. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So now, so now there's like this awareness in America. This guy yes. is up to something, and they're out of here. They're so he's like, "We have to go out. here." As as I have preached before, the government's coming for us. Mm. Uh, we have to flee the oppression and racism of America. So we're going to Guyana. We're going to have this socialist utopia where we're you know it's remote. No one can inter you know interfere with us. We can be mm. free and do what we want to do. Adam's family. So, what was life like in Jonestown? Basically, yes, as you said, Suze, they had to like grow their own food. They had to finish building it, I think. Mm. Um, there was a, uh, a loudspeaker system that was installed that only played Jim Jones's voice, and it played 24 hours a day, and no matter where you were, you, you heard it, so you couldn't oh, escape God. it. So he was kind of like the radar of MASH. <laughs> yes. Yes. But not quite as cute. <laughs> yeah. He's he was similarly upbeat. Yes. And uh, listen everybody, uh, you know- don't forget to wank off your lord. <laughs> it sounds like Jim Jones would have loved podcasting. Oh, yes. Yeah. He was the, the original you know, podcaster. Yeah. By and the way, to all the listeners well. out there, you are listening to four lords right now. <laughs> What were you going to say, Suze? <laughs> oh, well, at this point, Jim Jones was so addled with heroin that he was wearing big, dark glasses. It's kind of his signature look. Uh, and he said it's because if anyone looked him directly in the eye, it, his stare was too powerful. <laughs> but it was because <laughs> he was said like total Ray Liotta 70s eyes. Whereas of. in reality, he just looked like shit. <laughs> he just looked like yeah. so tired and wasted. Like, yeah. oh. So not only did he think he was a lord, but he also thought he was Cyclops from the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny imagining the people being like, did you hear why he's wearing sunglasses? I finally asked. What is it? I always wondered. Stairs too powerful. Oh, God, right. Ah, of course. <laughs> Total of course. sense. Yeah. Um, and so you'd hear his voice nonstop. You were sleep deprived, probably eating badly. Uh, and you had no access to media or news from the outside world. And you weren't allowed to leave. So all you knew was what you heard from his drug-addled voice pumping out 
yeah That's when it. people I'm... got there and they freaked out um this is true they were uh they were like i don't want to be here he was literally like i'm not paying for your flight back so good luck so it was just basically all the poor people he manipulated stranded Jeez. in the jungle that's it. And they were miles inside the jungle, basically. It was, it would, even if you escaped in the dead of night, you've then got to hike miles and miles through thick jungle to get out. Yeah. And that dick is always just a few paces behind you, <laughs> catching up. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be honest, uh, putting myself in Jim Jones's psychopathic mind, it was a great idea. Smart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you see, like, because there's tons of footage, obviously, it just looks basically, Jonestown looked like a camp, but it was like a compound. So it was like a camp, like Ernest yeah. goes to camp, perhaps. Okay, now you're putting but, it into a context I can understand. But without <laughs> the song Happy Together, and there were armed guards and you couldn't leave. He got armed guards? Um, yes. Yes. He, what, he On, paid like, them? On, like, up high. Yeah. To prevent oh, you from... Uh, were they, like, his church them. members, or did he hire, like, a militia? Mix, I think. Do you know Suze? Like, I, I assume. Uh, it was... I think they were part of the congregation. Mm, they were. Okay. But he had hmm. sort of his inner, you know, his inner circle of his uh, most devoted, wow. long-term followers, and they would do anything for him. Wow. Including well, before his wife. He, before they huh. left for the uh, Guyana, he gathered all his congregation and followers and said. Okay, uh, I just want to have a meeting with just the big boys now. <laughs> huh. Well, okay. he called them the uh, the guards were called the Red Brigade, I believe. Uh, oh, very. Yes, easy. the Red Brigade. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, they've, they've he's flown all these people here just after there was trouble in the media about the church being all fucked up. And the the defectors and the family members of people in the church who disappeared started lobbying the government to say, like, you need to see what's going on in Guyana. Our family members are missing. They're, they're in a cult. What the hell's going on? So the Democratic congressman from California named Leo Ryan, he visited Jonestown on a fact-finding mission on November 15th, 1978. He brought a crew of reporters and some, like, NBC cameramen with him to go investigate and they were greeted with like a lavish reception there was music there was food uh and he was like this seems great uh and the congressman spoke to everybody but then a member of the people's temple snuck a note asking for help escaping to a reporter and this was noticed by a child who sounded like an alarm who was like mm. someone's passing a note to the outsiders and then uh, the congressman heard that like, oh, 15 people want to leave and they're not allowed to leave. And this rumor spread. And then someone from the people's temple snuck up behind the congressman with a knife and tried to stab him. Yeah. Uh, like, can you imagine this atmosphere at this party? It must have been insane with Jim Jones going, <laughs> look how happy everybody is, congressman. Can I, people's, it's like North Korea. Well, yeah. Why did the congressman go? Was he, like, concerned or what? Well, because his constituents who had family members in the People's Temple ah. were like, you have to look into what's going on. He, they just okay. flew to escape justice in America, and they're doing the same thing uh, in South America. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So the knife attack was thwarted, and everyone lived happily ever after. <laughs> and they went da da they all fight to the to the the famous Jonestown People's Choir songs. He's able, <laughs> but that is actually not the truth. 
Because what happened Ooh. is uh, the congressman and the crew and these 15 uh, cult members quickly left to go to the airstrip to get on a plane to, to get the hell out of, of Jonestown. But it wouldn't you know it, they were followed by some gunmen sent by Jim Jones, and they were fired on. The congressman was murdered along with uh, three reporters and a People's Temple member on the airstrip. Oh, God, I, I didn't know like, that. I feel like they shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Great that's point. pretty judgmental. I don't think it helped their cause. Yeah. I had no idea. What, I mean, obviously, it's in, the whole story's insane, but that must have really upped the, uh, you know, the level yeah. that the government took it seriously if you kill a congressman. Holy yeah. shit. And the congressman, just, apparently, his final words were, oh, brother. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't blame him. Oh, no. I just want to know, what do you reckon Jim Jones's dick was doing at this point? <laughs> just Dancing? Like, I heard that. <laughs> he I heard that when they were it getting was stressed. Like, it appeared like... To look, it went good, yeah, and then it went to report back to Jim. Like, it had a dead. pair of binoculars. <laughs> I heard that it followed them to the helicopter or whatever to the airfield, and stretched out. His dick is so big, it stretched out so far to follow them that his eyebrows looked like his mustache. <laughs> Did Jim Jones's dick was it sort of like venom? Have you was seen the movie Venom where there's this black thing comes out of the guy and talks to him like this? Uh, I haven't even watched Venom, but mm. uh, I think it was a lot like Jonestown. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, the basis is Jonestown. <laughs> so here's the big event we've all been waiting for. Uh, his dick is watching everything at the airstrip. <laughs> Uh, Jim Jones is like, oh shit, I guess this is all over now because they're going to send, like, they're going to invade Jonestown because we killed a congressman. So he gathers everybody together in the encampment and encourages them to drink this cyanide-laced Flavor-Aid, not Kool-Aid. Flavor-Aid, the cheap version of Kool-Aid. Yes, he didn't even splurge for Kool-Aid. Mm-mm. So what, 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 what is, what is Flavor-Aid? But they say drink the Kool-Aid, so what was it in, in fact? It was Flavor Aid brand, but everyone, I guess, said Kool Aid instead because it maybe sounded funnier. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I love the idea of someone just before they're dying being like, "Um, technically, it's Flavor Aid." <laughs> <laughs> is Flavor Aid like the PC no name brand of Kool Aid? I think it's, it was a lesser cheap. known. Yeah. Mm. Oh. So yeah, he, this shit uh, sucks. That's what they all yell when they drank it. <laughs> it doesn't taste as good as Kool Aid. <laughs> 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 oh man! Um, he, he purchased a huge vat of cyanide, um, yeah. and the taste of it was so bitter that they had to cover it up somehow. Uh, so they bought a load of flavor aid. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so psych. That's that part yeah. really, really freaks me out. Can I just say one thing? Point before we drop the real hammer on the devastation of this aspect. Yes, Chris. Uh, I can't remember how much, like maybe a few years earlier, it was before they went to Guyana, but he did that. They passed out Kool-Aid to everybody. They drank it. Flavor and this is like, yeah, like I said, a couple years before. And yeah. then he told everybody that they had just been poisoned. And I've, you've heard like audio of it and they all gasp and go, no. And like, it's really creepy. They yeah. lose and it. Then, yeah. And then he said... I didn't really give you guys poison, but you if you have to follow us, you have to trust uh, each other or something like that. And then they were all like, oh, so they learned this huge lesson of like trusting their leader. 
and mm-hmm. that was before this. So he'd already like yeah. kind of prepped them oh, to get that's so fucked. Creepy. Yeah, like, he was rehearsing these. To me. He did the he did this a few times. Um, okay. Like so, they were well drilled in how it would go if it came to it that they all had to. And his whole thing, obviously, was then, and you'll pass on to paradise, right? Because <laughs> you're clearly not already here. It's a fucking so, shithole, and you will want to glee. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he had trained them like someday we're gonna have to all drink poison, and then yes. one day he's like, okay, drink this thing, and everyone's like, uh oh, yeah. He was prepared. Yeah. I think you could actually hear him say it. Yeah, yeah, because there's. Like he was playing these tapes the whole time, and sometimes uh, he sometimes he needed to have a heroin nap, I guess. <laughs> uh, so he would have recordings, and they just repeat. So it was like he was on twenty four seven. And so yeah. all the um, the what the the massacre, which took hours, is all recorded. Like yeah, oh that's horrifying. And yeah. he sounds he's so slurred. He's clearly. A baked as fuck and he's like yeah. mother give please mother don't fight uh, it's really yeah. weird he's like just oh. encouraging everyone to like to calm down and be reasonable and drink it and like don't make yeah. a big fuss and uh what does he say he said yeah it's just stepping over into another plane and death is a friend mm. so the <laughs> do, do people do it over of their own accord like where's so, anyone or is that a the, so 33 people survived of the 909 people who died. Um, but he had them so under his power, basically. He was like, we're, we're doing this to, to die with dignity before like they send in parachute troops and kill our babies and torture the Yeah, children. he said, they'll mow yeah. us all down. And yeah. yeah, it's like, they'll arrest you, Jim, you fucking asshole. <laughs> That's yeah. what happened. His, yeah. his penis and him could have been on, uh, on the dock. It's, it's like Mega Shark, one of those Mega Shark movies, and it's like jumping in the air and batting planes. Jeez. <laughs> so did, he he didn't personally drink the flavor aid. He blew his own goddamn brains out with a gun and was found in a chair. Was yeah. it a gun or was it like a cheap knockoff version of a gun? <laughs> <laughs> Flavor gun, <laughs> gun aid. There were two. Yeah. Bo- there were two gunshots on his body. One in his head, and one in, on the tip of his penis. <laughs> they say the one on his penis looked like a smile. <laughs> it took longer for his dick to die. Actually, <laughs> yeah. thrashing about. <laughs> So yeah, thirty-three people of the nine hundred nine uh, miraculously survived. Apparently, there was one old lady who slept through the whole thing yeah. and woke up the next day and was like, "Oh no!" Oh my god, that would have been me. Oh, I can sleep through anything. Wow. There was a guy who literally went and hid under his bunk, and mm. he heard his family. He watched his. Um, it's really harrowing. He watched his daughter, his baby daughter, and his wife die in front of him, and then he just oh. fled and hid under a bunk. And he he occasionally still does interviews. Bear in mind, it's like forty plus years on now. He says, "Oh, I wish I died with them." It's horrendous. Oh, um, a couple of guys managed to flee into the into the jungle. And they survived oh. that way. That's so, so not he, he wishes he wished he died not because he believes in it just because it's so horrible. Yeah, he was died. like, oh, my survivor, his survivor's guilt must be through the roof. But yeah, yeah, he, he yeah God. he watched them die and went, I I don't want to die. Wow, 
Do yourself a favor, sir. Get into therapy. <laughs> he's like, I prefer Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, we should, we should find this guy and ask him if he's seen like Succession or Game of Thrones. <laughs> God, you would wow. have missed the golden age of television, sir. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually feel really bad about that joke. I'm sorry, sir, if you're listening. So they were oh, kind I of forced in. to do it. Like if you weren't going to take the Kool-Aid, you, you had to hide or run out, run away. It was just assumed that everyone yeah. was going to do it. And the, they the, the peer pressure. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Oh my God! If the poison, if the cyanide was in a huge dish of like chicken tikka masala, I, I would have been screwed, man. <laughs> Chris, I would have eaten all the cyanide. The masala. Yeah, Jim Jones would have been like, share the tikka masala. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, just having a bit more. Chris, you've had your dose. <laughs> Filling up another bowl. Yeah. You're like coughing, coughing up frothy blood. Jim, we have some bad news. You know the cyanide-infused cyanide tikka masala we made? One member ate all of it. It was supposed to be the, for the 900. He died pretty fast. I actually had diarrhea before the poison could take effect. <laughs> so I actually spoiled Ew. the plan. <laughs> Chris, you saved us. <laughs> I ate too oh, much. <laughs> Suze, remember how you brought up monkeys before? Earlier? Oh, yeah. There was Jonestown's little mascot. <laughs> they had a mascot at Jonestown who lived in a cage named Mr. Muggs, who was a chimpanzee. <laughs> and uh, did, did Mr. Muggs survive the Jonestown massacre? He did not. But he didn't drink Kool-Aid. He was uh, shot to death on the final day of Jonestown. Yeah, someone obviously went round at the end of Jonestown and went, right, just going to check everybody's dead before I finish myself off. Oh, you fucking monkey. And the monkey's like, damn. Yeah, <laughs> the monkey fun- was like, I'm not a guy. I'm not a real guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in any of this. I'm just an ape. Yeah, they could have let him free in the uh, rainforest or something. Yeah, why didn't they just let him go? Yeah. I was concerned that this like story would end on such a bummer of a note, but knowing that it ends with a monkey being murdered in a cell, oh, that's much better. Well, that makes you happy. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see it still because Jonestown. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you can see Mr. Muggs final, uh, his cage and all of Jonestown still exists, but it's all overgrown with jungle. Mm. Really? Oh, that'd be Is creepy. that true? Mm. That's the, probably the scariest place on earth. <laughs> Actually, wow. the whole planet Earth is the scariest place on Earth. Now that I think yes. about it, yeah, I don't. Th- I can't imagine a single bit that I like anymore. <laughs> when people are always like, "You got to practice mindfulness and cheer up," I'm like, "Have you heard of Jonestown?" <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. They didn't practice any mindfulness. Yeah, they trusted Jim Jones. Yeah, but Jim Jim Jones's kids, I think, survived because they were on the Jonestown basketball team, which yes. was off playing a basketball match. And Jim Holy Jones's crap. wife had de- deliberately sent them off to play this match. Uh, yeah. So they survived. So maybe we could like do a documentary with a revisit. Maybe tell some funny stories Whoa. about yeah. life with Papa. And it's just oh really basketball. It's just mostly basketball focused. Like we just like, get really into the yeah. The documentary is about how the game went that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how was the team? Because they probably were sleep deprived. They probably didn't eat well. Like Jim Jones Judas scored five points that day. Maybe they were really well fed. Um, yeah, I don't. 
I, I want to hear more from his kids, but yeah. I don't think they are well, that keen to share the information. Apparently, the team was very bad as well. Yeah. Well, in fact, <laughs> uh, they, they were playing the <laughs> yeah, Harlem Globetrotters that day. They were. <laughs> Can I ask you a question now that we have um, a fun uh, British guest on just for once? Because I think we wrapped up Jim Jones pretty much, right? Oh, have you had other Brits? Oh, oh, no, no, no. You're our first Brit. But let me just end the episode uh, officially by saying, and that's the story of Jim Jones. (laughs) Oh, Mike, I'm so glad you did that. That was really good. Now, can I ask a quick British bonus? Yes. Evil men question. Okay, Suze, do you think that. Um, Jack the Ripper was one guy or like <laughs> you know, a bunch of guys? Um, I think he was one royal. <laughs> ah. I think it was Prince Philip. <laughs> he was old enough and yeah. he, he loved to kill. Yeah. He's real sadistic. Um, was he known as a letter it, writer too? Because Jack the Ripper wrote letters taunting the police. Did Prince Philip? Yeah, a little letters? bit like BTK. All right. You should yes. do Jack the Ripper as an episode, Chris. I would love to. It's yeah, because I like that. Remember that? Didn't that From Hell book slash movie by Alan Moore, didn't it suggest that it was like, you know, Freemasons or something like that? Or, what, you know, whatever. <laughs> like collaborating I, together? I don't know. Whatever. I think that makes sense. There's one. There's one theory where it's a woman who did it. Uh, and I like that. Like, yeah. Girl power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to say, before, James, you bring out the evil scale, I wanted to say that I once did a walking Jack the Ripper tour in Whitechapel in London uh, <gasps> when I lived there Whoa. at night. And did, well, the, did you ever gig? Did you ever gig at Dirty Dicks? <laughs> no. Which is a pub that Jack the Ripper victims used to congregate outside to, to oh. advertise their wares. Are there Holy comedy shit. shows there? Yeah, they did. I, oh. I used to gig at Dirty Dicks and then I found out Jack the Ripper victims drank there and he <laughs> scoped it. Like they were killed near there. And oh my I, God. and I, I, my reaction was cool. <laughs> I'm a part of history. Yeah. Um, well, this, this Jack the Ripper tour, it was at in Whitechapel at nighttime, I think in winter. And the man leading the tour was doing his best. Like he was dressed in a black cape and like Victorian clothing. <laughs> Um, but it didn't seem as scary as it could be because he'd be like, here's where uh, body number four was found. It's currently a Kentucky fried chicken and they've asked us not to congregate near the opening of the door. So if everyone could please step back from the Kentucky fried chicken. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Suze, at the end of an episode, we pull out the evil scale and, and rate everybody how evil they are on a scale from zero to ten. Ten is the worst. So I'm just going to reach into the closet here and pull out the, oh, pull out the evil scale. Here it's it a, is. It's to, to witness it happen in front of my eyes is amazing. It's very heavy. Very yeah. heavy. It needs to be oiled. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's mix it up. I'll go first this time. Because I usually make myself go last. So if I'm going to give uh, give Jim Jones an evil <laughs> ranking, you know, you got to leave a little room at the top, I always feel like, for the Hitlers, etc. Mm. But he's pretty bad. 900 people. I mean, he was crazy, I think. But mm, I don't know how much of an excuse that is. I'm going to give Jim Jones a, a 9.0. Ah. <laughs> uh, 9.0. Nine. I think he was pretty bad. 
Yeah. I mean, that's his reputation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Suze, do you want to go next? What you think is... I'm going (laughs) to... I like him, too. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to... No, I mean, I think a nine as well, because I Mm. think... I think uh, if he hadn't done so much heroin, maybe they never would have ended up in Guyana with 900 dead. But, like, yeah, I think I think a strong nine for Jim strong Jones because he manipulated his entire life. The several people in his life, it wasn't just they were killed. Their, their lives were ruined by him, including his wife. Um, mm. We don't know what his... B-ball playing kids, how they felt about things. <laughs> yeah. uh, Michael. Hmm. Jim Jones. Do I like the guy? No, not from what I've <laughs> learned from this episode. I think he was a, a stinker. Uh, bad guy. A lot of people dead. Um, I, I liked his early politics. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's how he draws you in. Uh, and as a member, as a fellow member of the Sideburns community, I feel like a connection to him. Although I must say, he doesn't represent everyone in the Sideburns community. Um, I'm going to give him a 9.4. Okay. Chris. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, there's no doubt he's evil as hell. Um, the... The the death toll is apparently the highest like mass murder death toll in the states until nine eleven. Yes. Wow, something like that. So it's pretty massive if you think about it. Just under a thousand people in one uh, arduous day of uh, yeah. mixing up. And I bet if, if he could have shooting if, guns, yes. and if he could have had more, I bet he would have. Like if he had about ten thousand followers, I'm sure he would have killed all them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's something about his origin story too that makes me feel like I don't really believe in destiny, but it feels like he was destined to do something like this. Mm. It just had that vibe. And uh so I was going to go 8.9, but then he skimped on official Kool-Aid and got flavor aid. <laughs> <laughs> so I I'm bumping that up to a flat out 9 as well. Wow. You don't appreciate got, a yeah. thrifty guy. No, I want the real deal. Yeah, I want the good stuff. Okay. <laughs> if I'm going to die, if it had been tikka masala. <laughs> That's the thing. The- yeah, yeah. Even point. if it was just like, you know, he could have even just done like Sprite and some gin or something. You know? <laughs> yeah. They'd make it a party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have some fun. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, Suze, thank you so much for joining us to talk about Jim Jones, thank the you. famous Psycho. <laughs> Thank you very much. Anything you want to plug before oh, we... Sh- oh, God, I always forget something. I'll, I'll tell you what. If you are listening to this and like me, you are a white woman, you probably like true crime. So you would like my podcast, Mystery on the Rocks. No rivalry here, guys. There's pl- People can listen to plenty of podcasts. It's me, British Comics... Actually, only one's British. Chris Stokes, he's British. And Masood Milas, he's from fucking everywhere. Um, and <laughs> literally, he's lived all over the world. That's not... I wasn't being racist. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we talk... Oh, shit. <laughs> I should start again. No, all this can stay. We drink cocktails and talk about true crime 
unsolved mysteries and we always solve them and treat them with the reverence they deserve. And were drunk. <laughs> That's really And my, fun. Mike was Sounds being good. a guest on uh, Mystery I, on the Rocks. I've been a guest talking about the uh, the Sherman murders, which made me very nervous because it happened right here in Toronto, <laughs> and I had right. to really watch my words. <laughs> it's oh Chris. yeah, Chris is a cheeky boy, and he went, "Suze, I'm going to do a modern." crime with uh mike belazzo and i was like okay and he said it's from your neck of the woods it's chris going he's from birmingham he was from your neck of the woods and i went oh god <laughs> yeah that one's still up in the air it's freaky as hell we solved yeah. it but you know but you solved it on the podcast the yeah. police aren't interested we think it was that i don't say that <laughs> yeah. don't even <laughs> Don't even conflate them on our freaking podcast. We're, we're nervous Nellies. Oh no! Um, but yes, we—it's a fantastic podcast. I've been on it. Everyone listening should be on it, and uh, we'll put a link to uh, to Mystery on the Rocks and Queen Pod and your Twitter in uh, the show notes. Thank you. Oh yeah, I'm on Twitter and whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm bad at plugging anything. I just always just forget something. All those things. I've made it like uh, anyone listening from what I just said would be like, yeah, I really want to check out her stuff. <laughs> she, sounds, she sounds nice and normal and enthusiastic. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, what do you think, guys? Is that Let's wrap, wrap it, up? it up. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Well, thanks so much again, everybody, for joining us on another fun episode of Evil, Evil Man. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 